Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kicked every one of their asses. The fraud, the messing with me. What's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am. Ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring, which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough? North South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast. I'm your host, Jumbly Jake. Um, starting a new little, little maybe these are like seasons now, since I'm bringing in a new guest per uh, pay-per-view month, pay-per-view cycle, if you will. Um, we're kind of starting a new one here. So this will be the March to Judgment Day. We're coming off a of backlash, which was a... A, uh, a lackluster show, uh, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, we'll, we'll keep on chugging along. They've been a bit of a, a post-mania slump, I'd say, trying to figure everything out, a lot of guys out. But we'll keep on chugging. But my guest is one of my faves, uh, one of my best pals, and that's Scott Shifflett. Scott, congratulations. People are going to think that you owe me some kind of gambling debt, and that's why you've been conned into this. But uh, always good to have you. I think it's the other way around. Like, I owe you a gambling debt or something. That's why you were like, hey, I, I need you. And I'm like, I- I'm here. I raised my hand immediately. I was like Hermione Granger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I listened to your Backlash episode uh, with um, with Logan and Ryan. And, like, I feel bad for people who, I mean, Ryan said he enjoyed it. But, like, his dad didn't really seem to enjoy it. And I feel bad for people who spent, like, $40 watching that, like, Cause I listened to it and I was like, Oh, that, that sounds like such a rough watch. And, um, I, I don't know. I'm up in the air with how we go, go going forward with, with this, because 
we'll, we'll get to it. But like the main event scene of Raw is just like I really don't want to see this match, but I know we have to. Right. It definitely feels like uh, one of those times, which is very common, I think. But you definitely feel it here where they kind of have this post mania doldrum and it's a little like they don't really know what direction they're going in. And, you know, they're starting some new things. They kind of all but botched the Goldberg debut. We'll see them trying to rehab it on these a bit. They're trying to save face a little bit, but not a huge uh, We what could have probably been their sort of um you know, their hot angle or, you know, something that give them some juice coming off of that big mania could have been Goldberg, but they haven't, that didn't really, you know, go off seamlessly. So they got that going on. SmackDown's in a bit of a, I think a bit of a rut right now with Kurt out and that stuff. And the, the Brock stuff has been a little weird for me. Like, I don't particularly like the direction they're going with this character. So that's a little wonky, but we'll see how it plays out. You know, historically, this is, can be a bit of a, a rocky stretch post mania. Yeah, Goldberg seemed like in case of emergency break glass and they broke the glass and it's like it's just like a wet fart. And it's so like when they brought him in for his most recent runs, like, you know, in the past, like five or six years, he's been, you know, pretty, pretty decent. Like I enjoyed that Brock feud when they reignited it. And, you know, some other things they knew how to book him. But with this, it's clear that they were just like, we're going to break him down and build him in our own image. And it's like, you really like Goldberg's really one dimensional and, you know, and mm-hmm. I had no recollection of this post WrestleMania SmackDown um, mm-hmm. stuff. And it's clear that they have like no one set up for Brock. He's just floundering. I mean, the Cena thing was okay. Cause it like gave some cred to Cena. But after that, it's like, really, mm-hmm. we're going back to Liswell, which we'll talk about later tonight. But it, it just seems like, they blew their wallet with mania and was like, let's, uh, let's figure this one out guys. Right. All right. So we've, we've kind of alluded to a bit. Let's we'll hop into, it. we have a few news notes here. Uh, just a couple, nothing earth shattering. Uh, Vince McMahon held a meeting with almost all the talent before the backlash pay-per-view to emphasize with the agents and Jim Ross have been urging talent, which is a change in style to more Matt based psychology oriented product, uh, due to all the injuries. I think they're trying to, maybe slow down with this insane style because these guys are <laughs> this literal breakneck pace these guys are working um because they're all breaking their necks so uh, i guess they're trying to go for a more uh, somewhat old school style maybe protect these guys a little bit more um i don't know if that's the reason for maybe the pay-per-view being a little down compared to a lot of stuff i watched so far for the pod pay-per-view wise but uh, we'll see how that tracks as we continue on. Uh, any thoughts on them changing the style? Do you do you see it here? You, you sort of see some of it, but the style they had to slow down because they they had that high paced style so they could have the you know the Monday Night War and they won the war. But now they were starting to see like people getting hurt all the time. I mean, we've lost Edge, and that's gonna be the first of many. Like him and Kurt, and then Kurt should have had the same surgery as well, and it, Kurt would have been lost for a year. He even says now he should have had the surgery, and all these mm-hmm. wrestlers and you know. They're slowly building them up. Like, you know, we, we'll see, um, like we saw Cena. We uh, we saw Orton and Batista there for a minute, but they're both hurt now. So it's like, you know, we're, we're seeing like the roster slowly being rebuilt and they get, have, have to tone it down so they have less injuries. Um, you know, there was a time a couple of years ago in NXT when uh, WrestleMania 32 when everyone was injured and we saw how, you know, that's, Regrettably, it was my first mania, but people still hate say that mania is <laughs> still going on. So it always holds a special, <laughs> special place in my heart. But you just got to be more safer. I mean, I've never wrestled before. I know my body can't take it, but it's like 
they can't be doing like you know all these dangerous ass moves because people will get hurt. Right, and of course, you know the WWE schedule is you know famous for being hectic as it is. It's not like these guys are working once a week; they're doing the house shows and all. So it's just, and even if they tone it down a bit on the house shows, but you could tell some of these guys this is not really their personality, and they're just going to do this every time they go out there because it's just kind of the way they're wired. So I'm assuming that's part of it too. Um, all right, continuing on, we have a bit on Jonathan Coachman, who has taken over for JR. According to those backstage watching at Raw last week, Vince was on the headsets at Gorilla Position, was screaming at Coachman all night, saying, quote, you're blowing it, and Coach was so frazzled, he was afraid to talk at times. So, uh, sounds pretty on brand for Vince. <laughs> I just yeah, like never, quote, never, blo- never heard you're that You're blowing before. it. You're blowing it. Oh, I'm sure there were some cuss words in it. You're blowing it! And then, I always like uh, to think of the the Vince uh, headset thing as like the old, you know, like they do it in Saving Silverman, the whole like earpiece during a date kind of thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like these guys are trying to do commentary. He's just there. What are you doing? And they, they just say, like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're blowing it. I'm blowing no, it. The, the worst of blowing it is um, a couple years ago when Lesnar is the night after Mania where Lesnar took out the announcers. And uh, they had Byron Saxton out there by himself, and it was like painfully bad for the first hour. Then they set King out there because the dude was dying a slow death. Like, I'm I'm sure if you're listening to this, you guys may remember this, but go back and watch it. I can't remember what year it is, but, but it's when Lesnar like destroys Cole. I think JBL ran away. Um, but it's so painful. Like, there's it, it like 45 seconds of dead air before he's saying something, and you could tell that like. Vince is probably yelling, say something, say something. You're blowing it. You're blowing it. Uh, <laughs> all right. The APA are ready to return or just working OVW until they come up with a storyline and bring them back. So maybe that'll turn the tide. It's got the I mean, APA. It, does, it does launch a, a character that somehow got a world title reign. So I, I, True. I they, it did. All right, and then finally, William Regal is feeling fine and lost all his excess weight from the virus that caused his body to swell. The right side of his heart had stopped functioning, which caused his heart to have a to heart to have a to beat much faster to pick up the slack. This caused a buildup of fluid far more than his liver could process. He gained twenty five pounds in three days at one point. My God, uh, uh, it sounds like me on vacation. He expects to return to TV in about a month in a non wrestling role. As long as he's on blood thinning medication, he won't be able to wrestle as he could suffer internal bleeding just from taking a simple bump on the medication. So um, it sounds like that, that, what is that TLDR of this is that he didn't die, but he's also not like, you know, he's not a spring chicken right now because uh, yeah. he literally could bleed to death if he takes a single bump. That's but glad to see he survived. <laughs> Yeah, that is so scary. Like, you can see, uh, I think he comes back and he wrestles some. I know, like, when you get to this in 2043, when Eugene shows up, I know he, they win the tag titles. So I remember them dousing Maria and Chocolate Milk. But I don't think he wrestles for too much. Like, he picks his spots. Right. But, yeah, apparently swelled up like um, the girl on Willy Wonka. But <laughs> glad to see he's, you know, better, relatively better, as opposed to. Like a damn I mean, blueberry. Yeah, can't go. You can't go much worse than, you know, your liver being unable to process all the fluid that your body's producing. But anyway, all right, that's all I got. We'll we'll head into the shows here. So we'll start with Raw, of course. It's gonna be the April twenty eighth, oh three, the night after Backlash, and we're actually in Boston. So an interesting thing. Terrible here, location. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no offense to uh, to Ryan Gray, who's at the Worcester show, but it definitely seems a bit flip flop from what you would expect. You'd probably expect uh, you'd probably expect a pay per view in Boston and Raw in Worcester, but uh, or a house show. <laughs> Anti Massachusetts energy from Chef tonight. Um, but uh, Jericho comes out for us, and he's going to start the show with his own his own version of Piper's Pit, pretty much that he's going to call the highlight reel. Um, spelled H-I-L-I-T-E, real. Uh, he trolls Piper, in fact, uh, given that he's using this concept and pretty much calls him fat. <laughs> but he says that Piper's Pit was great and inspired him to do an even better show. And his first guest is going to be Goldberg. Uh, he puts him over for being the rock. Um, I love the insincere, like, Goldberg coming out. Uh, he does that, like, good to see you, old buddy. Because, um, you know, obviously they did not like each other. In they already got in a fight in the back, too. Right. So they obviously don't like each other. Uh, he calls him out for refusing to face him in WCW. Goldberg gets on the mic and says that he'll kick his ass now instead. And uh, Jericho cowers and says, I'm not a wrestler right now. I'm an interviewer. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought this whole thing was good too for Jericho. He's been a bit of an afterthought since Mania because he's just sort of been thrown in there with Triple H because they needed a heel because all of his cronies are injured right now. So I thought this was cool to have him come out and have his own segment because this does cater to his strengths. I think this whole thing, he can be a dickhead heel out here. So it's good to see him kind of have a spotlight, uh, a spotlight spot, uh, even if Goldberg is maybe the focus here. But he wants to know why Goldberg is even here, which is funny. Again, he's got some good little lines in here. Uh, but before Goldberg can talk, Christian interrupts them and comes out and says that he is the new people's champs. Uh, he calls him Bill. <laughs> And says that half the fans booed him at the show, so they're not afraid to. Uh, I'm glad they're addressing the mixed reaction. Get some uh, some cheap heat that probably got over with you, Scott, by uh, taking some shots at the Red Sox, um, even though that will be irrelevant in about a year from now. Um, they won't be able to use these jokes quite as much. But anyway, Goldberg says the fans are allowed to do what they want. Uh, he's here to earn his stripes. And that uh, he gives an awkward line where he says he's here to, quote, destroy everybody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, odd one there. Um, you know, you take that as well. Finally, Jericho chimes in. He says, no one's getting speared here tonight, um, but no one wants Goldberg here. Christian brings out some jabrones to come out that agree with him, like three-minute warning and Stevie Richards. They, the crowd starts chanting Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg says they come at him if they want. They start to advance, but Stevie is the only one dumb enough to get in the ring, and so he eats, uh, gets his ass laid out with a spear. It was so, a nasty spear. Yes, it was. He, he ate shit on it. But uh, so I actually thought this is a decent, all things considered, a good segment because I thought it was good for Jericho to have him at least be a focal point in this uh, to kind of re-elevate him, get him back out here, get him away from Triple H. Let's move back to, you know, his normal character and him being more of a, maybe if not a main event player, but an upper mid-car guy, not just an afterthought. And uh, I thought this they did a good job of putting Goldberg with guys that were going to make him look good and actually get the crowd behind him. Like, they actually get the, the Goldberg chant going. Uh, you know, like, I thought it was smart to get him against a bunch of dorks in, um you know, and a, a guy who's over as a heel like Jericho and a dickhead like Christian, 
because as opposed to like him being with the rock, who's going to always overshadow him and the crowd's going to be into rock stuff because the rock is funny like this. You put him with these jamokes that the crowd's obviously going to be more with Goldberg than fucking three minute warning and Stevie Richards. So I thought this was, you know, not the most amazing thing in the world, but I thought it was a decent Goldberg little rehab segment to maybe get things going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, I, I got a, uh, my, my notes that I was telling you about earlier. Uh, Jericho said that the 175-year-old Piper can have Piper's Pit. He can have a show, too. Which, uh, we'll see, like how you said he called him fat. We'll see a retort from Piper on SmackDown, listeners. Um, and I was shocked, like you said, how there was uh, some booze for Goldberg. I thought they were turning uh, later, but it definitely seems like they've already started. Um, you know, and then when Kristen showed up and he said he was close to his peeps, and like, but then Goldberg said something stupid, which... He said they can boo or cheer him, and I think that makes him look like a dumbass babyface, uh, in my opinion. Just how it's like, oh, you can boo or cheer me. It's like you're pandering now, Bill. That's never good when you're a month in and you're already starting to pander to the audience. Uh, Jericho, how you said how Jericho said no one will get speared tonight. I laughed at that line because he's like trying to keep the order. And my right. God, like I know we talked when um, so I've been on uh, I guess host a decent amount, but um. When Three Minute Warning first showed up, they were like, I was cheering how they were beating up Mae Young and Moolah. I remember that episode. And it seems like mm-hmm. every episode I on, I'm on, <laughs> they like drop less and less down. Like I thought they were gone by now. When they showed up with Rico, I was like, damn, they're they're here. And um, you know, Steven Richards comes in and like Goldberg destroys him with that spear. Like it's like the booing like made him like the Hulk even more mad because like he just like folded him like a cardboard, like a piece of car- wet cardboard. So it was, it was nice. And, but like you said, it gets him back on track because no one really likes Steven Richards. They can really care less about Rico and three minute warning. So it's like, just have him go beat their ass to build him back up. Yeah. It's like, they're getting it. They're getting part of it. Like get some Jamokes out here, like Goldberg spear them. Things that are not do I don't need Goldberg, like you said, being like a cornball baby face. You know, like, you know, I like the fans whether they boo me or not. Like, uh, whether they cheer me or boo me, I don't care. And like saying weird, awkward lines, like I'm going to destroy everyone's ass. It's like, no, that's not. It's not Goldberg. We don't need that from Goldberg. Just have him come out, say your next, spear these goobs, and like the crowd cheers and chants Goldberg. Like this is a very. Like I don't know if they just think they need to overcomplicate it because they think they're better in WCW or what, but. But it was still better because they at least matched him up. They paired him with with guys who are going to – he was obviously going to get a better reaction than when he's matched up with Rock that everyone loves. Yeah, you yeah. said it perfectly. He only has to say two words. You're next. That's it. Crowd knows what's up. Everyone knows what's up. Right. Like he doesn't – yeah, because even by 2003, like, like you said, if you pander to these fans, like that's not what they're looking for. Like it's not – They will chew you so, up and spit you out. Right. So, but anyway, it's one of the better Goldberg segments we've seen. Um, but with that, we will move on to our first match of the night. It's going to be the Hurricane versus Chief Morley. Uh, not excited about Morley being here, but always good to see Hurricane. We get a little posturing to begin. Uh, Kane, uh, Hurricane does the uh, the Val Venus towel move with the cape to kind of pop the crowd and mock him. Uh, Hurricane has great energy, as he always does. They exchange a few holds on the mat. King wants... Uh, 
X-ray vision. They they get into this conversation about superpowers. He says he wants X-ray vision. I thought Coach actually had a pretty good line, like because obviously King's being an old pervert, but Coach is like, you realize you would just see the bones, right? Like, <laughs> like it's not like an X-ray doesn't show you what's under the clothes. It shows you like their insides. So I actually thought it was pretty smart of Coach to point out how stupid that is by King. Uh, more. <laughs> Morley slowly lands some strikes. See, it's an underhook slam, spine buster, some rolling suplexes. Hurricane starts his comeback with a neck breaker. Uh, Morley avoids the shining wizard, though, misses the money shot, and then Hurricane wins with the overcast. So, a little win for Hurricane. It was a little slow, but totally fine. Uh, I would have liked a little bit of more of a, uh, a little hotter comeback, but I always like to see Hurricane. But I'm kind of over Morley. He doesn't really do anything for me at this point. I'm not really sure what they were trying to accomplish with this match. It was okay. I went two stars. Yeah, um, I, I even have how Hurricane mocks uh, Morley's pose. I did have a note that here says Morley sucks. And then my very next note, Morley with a nice dumb, double underhook slam. It was like he was telling me 20 years from now to go to hell. Um, <laughs> I did I did see, I'm not sure if you saw this, that someone had a Chief Queef sign up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like they Queef put Morley. it up once. Yeah, and they put it up once, and then, like, you could literally see security come and take it away from him, which I thought was nice. Um, then Morley, like, tried for the three suplexes. Hurricane blocked it. Um, I was shocked that Morley got so much offense here. I really thought he was done by this point. Um, but I, I went uh, two and a quarter. I really enjoyed this match. Like, I felt like after I trash talk a wrestler, they decided they want to show me, like, oh, this is better than I can do. So here we go. Yeah, uh, I would be happier if Morley was gone at this point because I just I'm kind of tired of seeing him. I'm over the character. He's I mean, I know he's a guy that could be good in ring, but he's not really lighting the world on fire in that department either. So yeah, he's know. definitely like overstayed his welcome. Like he, you know, they should cut cut reins with him. But I think he's there to like something to like 2005 or 2006, sadly. <sighs> All right. Triple H and Flair are talking about how uh, Trips is on the cover of Raw magazine. You know, they say the typical stuff. He's a big deal. He's the greatest of all time. Because if anybody knows who's the greatest, it's Flair. And uh, Triple H reveals to him that tonight they're going to be facing RVD and Kane. Because I believe Flair just wants to go, like, you know, uh, pick up some broads in uh, Boston. So, But he has to have wrestling match instead. Yeah, actually, I was shocked at how much, like, Triple H wasn't. Like, when I think of Triple H at this time, I think he's, like, really out for himself, but he actually like says that flair needs gold too. So, you know, I was kind of shocked at how he was hyping him up. They definitely changed that character more to be just in his own, be self-serving in his own, um, interest in the next couple of months. But I was kind of shocked to see that like, yeah, I I want you to get, you need gold too. And I was like, damn, okay. Yeah. So the important part of this is that they're going to be going for the tag team title. So maybe they could add some more gold to their, Evolution, which is right now just Flair and <laughs> Flair and Triple H because the other guys are injured. All right, so now we move on to our new weekly segment, which is the Five Minute White Boy Challenge. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed the. I'm sure you like this, Scott. Uh, being anti-Boston, they go. Uh, Teddy goes after Larry Bird, says if he was black, he would have just just been an afterthought. No one would have cared about him. <laughs> Uh, we see his, his challenger here is a very pale fellow. Um, like I was thinking, I was like, he definitely took the challenge seriously because he is surely a white boy because he is like (laughs) translucent. Yeah, he is really white. Um, Teddy also says that he's not like whitey and back to Mac. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like 
talk about stuff that would not work in 2023. Like, I thought it was great. Like, you know, Teddy's actually a pretty good heel. Like, I know he was with Doom, mm-hmm. but like seeing this in 2003, I would, uh, you know, when he's doing this in 2003 and bugging and bugging, I forgot that was the name of it. And yeah, it's, and then, then we'll get to the match, but uh, with, you know, Rodney Mack versus Translucent from the boys. But um, Teddy says some good lines from commentary too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't even think they named this guy, uh, this local talent. Uh, Teddy goes after King again. He he tells Coach about uh, King's relationship with the mayor of Memphis or whatever. Then he tells Coach about that uh, something about his slave name. But Jonathan is a slave name, and I was right. (laughs) Meanwhile, Rodney Mack is inside, just completely destroying this guy. Um, That was a nice finish too. Like he hits the slam into. I like his little. kind of slams him into the corner and then maybe ricochets off and it's a press slam. So I thought it was a pretty good little, uh, power. I don't want to say power man because but I was going to say power man finish, but then it sounds like power man 5,000, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but overall pretty effective, uh, enhancement for Rodney Mack. I thought he got it over. I think he had a few minutes to spare, but I enjoyed the finish, which is like half the half of what you're looking for in a squash match. And then you got Teddy who's being pretty entertaining antagonizing them on commentary he gets on the mic after it says, once you go black, you never go back. And he brings out jazz for a little spotlight so he can get his whole stable across. And uh, they drop the uh, the balloons in the color of uh, like the African flag or whatever. And, uh, and uh, just uh, amazing. Like, I think this whole stable is being built pretty well, honestly. They're putting them over pretty strong. Teddy's good at building them up. Uh, it's an interesting gimmick with the five minute white boy challenge. Like it's memorable if nothing else. And, uh, and we also see Trish watching in anger cause she's upset about jazz winning the title. But yeah, I thought overall, this is effective way. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting over as like a, a stable that seems somewhat serious at least. Yeah. I, uh, like, I just, like, I remember what happens with Rodney later. Um, in the couple couple of months, uh, it might even be while while I'm won this round this season. But uh, Teddy also said that Jazz made backlash, backlash, blacklash, and I was like, oh my goodness! They brought out Jazz, didn't even have her like speak, and I thought like you know, I was like, that's all we're doing. I mean, it does put over her as a badass for the women's title. Um, but yeah, they they've actually like given more time to thugging and bugging than I remember at all, which which is pretty nice because. You know, this time at WWE, like, that's why I'm glad you're doing, like, this podcast, Jake. Not to blow smoke up your ass, but, like, people just think of, like, <laughs> Triple H doing, like, 20-minute long promos, which he does. But, like, we see, like, other wrestlers being mentioned as well because it's not just that. I think it's just painted over with a wide brush. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is – it's definitely been one of the better executed things, you know, on Raw as far as, like, get Rodney Mac over, like – it does seem like they're at least putting effort to it. And, and you don't see much of like a, a good heel manager or any heel managers, honestly, at this point in time. So yeah, that may be what like shows like, like that's what makes it like look special. It's like, like you said, there's not that many heel managers. It, it's really right. just, you know, I mean, I guess you could, do you categorize Nunzio as a heel manager? Cause he wrestles technically sometimes, but he does all the talking right, right. the FBI. Right. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. That could, I mean, there's not many. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't consider Nunzio, but anyway. All right. Moving on. We have, uh, we have Trish speaking with Eric about a rematch. So uh, let's get ready here. Eric reveals that there's no rematch clause in, uh, Trish's contract. And she says, no, I need to get this tile shot. I'll do whatever it takes. So Eric cracks a lecherous smile. 
Um, and she, he tells her that, uh, if he, if she wants to rematch, she's going to have to have a match against him. And uh, this whole time I'm thinking like the Harvey Weinstein thing is not what we need to be doing with Eric Bischoff at this point, but he does the whole, if she wins, she gets the match. And if he wins, they have to spend some quote quality time together. So definitely insinuating that she's going to have to sleep with him. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, we see what their point is with all this when we get to the show, but it's like, it just seems so out of character for Eric, too. Like I said it before, this just doesn't really seem like his deal. Like he's a, you know, like he's a shitbag, but this seems like they're just trying to, like, make him Mr. McMahon. This is cringe to watch. I'm sure it was cringe to watch. I mean, I'm, when I was 2003, I probably wasn't put a critical lens on it. I was like, damn, Trish looks amazing. Um, but watching it now, I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, people always say how like the Vince McMahon making Trish bark, um, which is horrible to watch. And one of those like indefensible things as a wrestling fan, but it's, it's, this is pretty bad here. Like I, I even messaged you when I was watching this and I was like, what the hell do you have me watching Jake? Like that's yeah, it has not aged well (laughs) for sure. Yeah. (laughs) But no. And it's going to be our main event somehow tonight, shockingly. <laughs> right. This will build throughout the show. So we'll be back to see this build to even more um, uncomfortable levels. Uh, but we then had to speak of a comfortable test here. He says he knows <laughs> Stacy isn't into Steiner, uh, just like he doesn't like Tori. Uh, and so, like, they're kind of arguing because Stacy has him in a tag team with Scott Steiner. She argues that it's a good tag team. Uh, so, this is where they're going with this now after the whole Tory. Uh, they're kind of pivoting away from Tory being a part of this. And now it's sort with of this the boobies. With, yeah. With <laughs> now we have test and Steiner. Now the boobies are Scott Steiner and his massive pecs. Uh, Cause we have like a love triangle going on between these three, um, which I have to say is like a more interesting direction. Cause now we're going to have, you know, the reluctant tag team partner thing, which I guess is at least something uh, we do get a good cheese ball test line he says uh but i thought you were already i was already your little champion in the bedroom um, yeah i read like when he said that i heard it in your voice for him so i started laughing <laughs> come on babe i thought you were, i was your little champion in the bedroom it's uh, so bad like go away uh and the way he bargains this he says like he'll do the tag if she starts trusting him again so that trust me again gonna... babe you know, just trust me. If you trust me again, even though I, I definitely said that I'd rather beg Tori than you, then like we'll totally be like cool again. And I'll tag with Scott Steiner, even though you want to bang him. So that's all right with us. And I'll get to my Steiner talk when we when we get there, like when we get to the match, because oh my goodness. Right. So we'll get to that match later in the show, but now we will go to a different tag team match as we'll get kind of our mid-show main event, if you will which is going to be Triple H and Flair going against RVD and King to try and win the tag team titles. Um, we start off with Flair in there. He's bumping around for King. He takes the press slam. RVD comes in when Triple H is in, lights him up with some kicks, dies on the both of them. And uh, good, like, little shine sequence for these guys. I always love the variety of those two in these opening sequences because you always get Kane hitting a few power moves and RVD can come in with his um, hashtag unorthodox uh, offense. Educated the hashtag. Hashtag educated feet. Uh, but anyway, we uh, we then cut to Sean as we have this opening sequence, and then they're going to break, and we see Sean Michaels on the phone. And he says he's a sitting duck. 
So presumably they're going to go after Triple H here. Triple H, when we come back, he continues to take a beating. He finally cuts off RVD, and they start the uh, the classic Triple H methodical beatdown, which was kind of dull. Rob comes back at Flair, but Triple H runs in to cut it off. He hits the he locks in the Indian death lock and uh, we don't have Jr. here, so King and Coach don't even know they they know even less name moves than me. Like I'm no expert on calling moves, but like <laughs> Coach coaching King has got to be like what a maneuver. One, yeah, like they don't call it because like if Jr. was he'd be like oh the Indian death lock like he did the first time, but they they're just like ah oh, this hold. But anyway, uh, it looks like it hurts. Thing, yeah, like uh, a little bit too long on this heat segment, I thought, especially with Triple H in there doing his Harley race deal. But finally, RVD cracks it in Zaguri. He hits the hot tag to Kane. Flair comes in and gets popped by him. I, I thought overall it's just much more exciting when Flair was in here. Like, he just has better heel mannerisms. He stooges around for these guys better. It's a little more varied when he's in there. So I thought definitely it was more interesting when he was in for that side. Triple H comes in and saves Flair. Kane uh, set up for the pedigree. He reverses that. Flair comes in and saves uh, Triple H this time. They're kind of picking things up, I thought, in this closing sequence. Flair locks in the figure four on Kane, but here's Rob for the save, um, which is always really good. He had a cool uh, – I thought it was a cool save attempt with the uh, the rolling thunder to break the figure four right on the legs. I thought it was well executed. But Triple H comes in, hits the pedigree. But then here comes big, sexy Kevin Nash with the sledgehammer. Triple H cowers in fear, runs into the crowd as Nash um, uh, Nash comes after him, like we probably expected this to happen. And uh, I don't know why he had to get the pedigree before this, but uh, Flair is like posturing over Kane. After all this, Kane sits up, choke slam, five-star combination uh, finish here as uh, Flair has no shot as he's singled out against these guys. So they retain the tag team titles. Uh, and uh, Triple H gets chased away by Kevin Nash to continue that whole deal. Kevin Nash has recovered very quickly from getting hit with the sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, but the match itself, I thought, besides the slow spots, I thought I had a good structure um, with this. Really the only person I didn't like, and he wasn't horrible in this. I'm not trying to like make it seem like you know Triple H sucked, everybody else was great. But I did enjoy it more, honestly, when Flair was there, just because I thought he bumped around a little bit better and it was a little more exciting. And RVD and Kane kind of did the normal thing, which I enjoy. Good showing for them, even though it was kind of, you know, Triple H had to hit the pedigree and they needed, they did, I, I wouldn't say they needed Kevin Nash, but he did come in and kind of help them win. Um, and I thought the chaos at the end was really well executed. So I actually went, uh, a, I went three on this, which is uh, pretty good. Well, I'm glad like me and you are sort of close together tonight because I went three and a quarter, um, you know, maybe by the end of the month and they've beaten me down like they've beaten you down. Like I'll mean you'll be uh, lockstep and key <laughs> on this. But, you know, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a nice tag match. Like um, I thought Flair was even actually looking like he was wrestling in the 80s when he was work- working with RVD and Kane. So that harkens back to what you said. And uh, Flair and Triple H had some great like tag team dastardly you know, bad guy tag team work with like, you know, separate, like they were keeping RVD separated from Kane, which, you know, I'm sure as like, we've learned how Triple H is such a big fan of like Ric Flair and the four horsemen. Like he was probably eating this up inside. I know people like tend to shit on Triple H, which I'm about to do by the way, but you know, you got to say the good with the bad. Um, One thing uh, that I did like here was like, every time you thought like Kane and RVD would get the win, like, you know, Kane tries to, to choke slam Triple H, but got chalk block block Flair. Then Kane tried to choke slam Flair and Triple H chalk block Kane. I really liked that sequence. Then RVD did the save. But what I didn't like was that like 
Triple H then killed RVD uh, with the DDT and then pedigreed Triple H. So, like, he basically had both of them beat. And that's when Kevin Nash and he lumbers his big ass down. It's like, dude, you could have just had, like, Triple H about to do the pedigree and the music hits and he scampers out of the ring. You don't have to have him knocking down, like, the tag team champions because um, there's no IC title at this point, right? There's still no IC title, right? No. No, I see. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, the other two champions, like, we got, oh, we got to make sure Triple H is number one. Like, that's the only problem I have. Like, you could have just had him, like, about to pedigree, like I said, about to pedigree king. Kevin Nash runs down. You just run away like that, you know? Um, and, you know, once Flair was all alone, like, I like the, end, the ending of the choke slam and the frog splash. I remember as a kid really enjoying Kane and RVD as a tag team. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if it holds up. Yeah, yeah, again. And it wasn't, again, Triple H wasn't horrible in this, but I would say he was my least favorite in it. And I'm with you. I just don't see the, I'm not trying to do the whole, like, every little, like, you know, analyze, like, look for any reason that shit on Triple H. But I was just like, I I don't get why he had to hit it. I mean, it's going to be, we all know this is going to be like a schmozzy finish anyway, just just like Kevin Nash coming. And I thought it'd be well executed. Cause then it makes triple H look more like a goober that he's like, Oh, I got to hurry up and get out of here. As if Kevin Nash is so quick, like coming down to the ring. Like it's like he's sprinting down there. So yeah, but overall I still thought it was, it was pretty well done. And it is a good spot for the champs. Glad they at least pick up the win and they didn't look weak. I thought given all that either. No, uh, but you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just upsetting to me, but agree, yeah, agree. Unnecessary. Yes, but, that's the uh, correct word. Triple H escapes in a limo that just happens to be waiting for him, and uh, Kevin Nash gets a few shots in on the limo with the sledgehammer before they speed off. Um, this is a nitpicky thing, but I would like to see, like, I thought it would have made him look more unhinged if he at least seemed a little bit more hobbled from last night, like if he looked a little more haggard from getting, you know, hit with a fucking sledgehammer. Like, I just thought it would have made him look more crazy, like even though he's, you know, obviously fucked up from the night before. You know, he's so pissed off that he's still going to hobble out here and try and go after him. So a nitpicky thing, just something I thought they could have added. But, you know, it this was decent. I mean, it, it accomplished what it was supposed to, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, Triple H and Nash, like, um, were, were you watching regularly when they had their weird feud uh, during the summer of Punk? In like, Yes, I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. They have, like, the weirdest backstage segments, and it's nice to know that it continues with this match, like, with the, like it started with this feud. Because, like, Triple H, like, has to slow himself up because you can tell, like, he, like, trips and falls at one point because, like, <laughs> he, like, a sneak, like, look, and, like, you know, Kevin Nash is, like, 30 feet away, and he's, like, damn, all right, let me, like, trip over my own feet like a girl in a horror movie. But, <laughs> but then, like, you know, the, the, way, the way my weird mind thinks, like, you know, Nat, like Triple H jumped in the limo and Nash starts like beating it up. But then he throws the um, the sledgehammer through the wind, through the back shield. And I'm like, where did Triple H hide so he didn't get hit? Did like he get in the limo and like just run to the front immediately? Like, how does that work? You know, it's like I said, it's just one like. How my brain <laughs> works. Don't mind right. me. You got to suspend all this belief. Yeah. On these. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> yeah. Like they basically wait for Nash to catch up so they can hit over the sledgehammer. Yeah. But it was a decent visual, but we'll see how this feud plays out. I mean, it's okay for now. We'll see. I don't know how it's going to last. All right. So let's get to our uh, love triangle 
tag team matches. Uh, Tess and Scott Steiner will be facing off against the uh, all-star team of Rico and Chris Nowinski. Uh, the moment, I don't know what happened. I guess, like, Scott Steiner's skin just cannot hold the pressure of his vascularity because he just, like, starts bleeding, <laughs> like, from the head. Like, I don't even know if he got hit. He's just, like, already bleeding. It's just a paper cut. Right. And then, so he goes to clubbing, belly to bellying, like he does uh, at this point. Nowinski pulls him out and hits him. Tested Stacey have a quarrel on the outside, leaving Big Papa Punt to suffer as he's getting the two on one attack. Uh, wicked back suplex, but sprays Chris Nowinski on the mat. Uh, Test finally gets in, cleans house, and uh, just like squashing these dudes. Uh, no, I'm not squashing them is what I should say. Like, it was weird to me that they didn't. Like, like at one point, you had, like, Steiner, and they're selling for Rico, which is like, what's the point of this? Just have, like, like, these two guys. a month ago, guys. you were putting the fear of God into Triple H, and now, like. You're selling for Rico. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Like, at least, like, I get if it's the Winsky, like, he at least has some stock here. But Rico should just be getting, like, against Scott Steiner. Like, no, just have him get his ass beat. But, uh. And Steiner wins with like a reverse DDT, which was yeah, he hit the Scorpion Death Drop for Sting. Yeah, yeah, just random. Um, and of course, Test is jealous here because Big Papa Pump in his mind stole the the spotlight. So we'll get to the the post match in a second, which is probably more important. But uh, I end up going a star and a half on this. It was yeah, I mean, it was more just to put over the storyline of. The test and Steiner and Stacy shit and Rico and Nowinski were there to just kind of, you know, be crashed. Someone's got to lose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my first note is, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like Scott Steiner, like wasn't even a wasn't even on Mania after main inventing the first two shows of the year. Um, and it, it, like he just looks like he's about to burst at any moment. And, like, we sort of see that where he gets, like, a paper cut and, like, he's bleeding profusely. Also, uh, I forgot how much I enjoyed Tess's theme at the start with, like, the first five seconds. Like, where it's like, Tess, this is a test. Like that. Uh, Stacy looked mm-hmm. amazing. Um, like, Scott was actually getting some some decent offense in. He was manhandling Nowinski. Mm-hmm. And he, like, killed Rico with a clothesline that I thought it was 1992 Scott Steiner. Because we've had to watch some of Steiner matches for Seven Months of Danger. And we see Tess and Stacy arguing on the backside. Uh, and there's a nice tilt-to-roll backbreaker from Tess that he hit. Um, but yeah, like the Scorpion death drop and it was over. I was like, oh, I guess they don't want Scott doing the Steiner recliner anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, to me, he's very palatable in the in these situations. Like, I don't think he looked bad in this in these ma- in these quick tag matches. He looks fine. He comes in, he, hits, he clubs some guys, does a belly-to-belly, hits a couple suplexes, and gets out of dodge like he's not doing a 20 minute match where he's going to look like shit seven minutes in so yeah this is not a bad spot for him i don't think it's a bad we'll see how the storyline plays out but i mean i don't think it's a bad team on paper yeah and uh i love that test is mad that stacy has male friends <laughs> right could won't be but those are the champion in the bedroom all right, the uh, the Frenchman come out to confront Big Papa Pump. They show footage of the debate of him crapping on France, um, but they say they don't want violence like stupid America. I'm going to have to try and figure out a French accent. Like oh, oh, pépé de pion. the violence. I believe you're doing uh, Pierre Escargot from all that. Yeah. That's a joke for Grooney. Uh, Steiner starts clubbing at them. Uh, they turn around and hit a double spine buster on him. So they do uh, 
end up resorting to violence, but I guess to them it's just self-defense, and uh, they kind of lay a mountain walk off. Uh, King, uh, very patriotic here, says he doesn't even eat French fries, Scott. So They're freedom so fries fun. now. That's what they were turned yeah. into, freedom fries. Yeah. That's how much he loves America. He doesn't even eat French fries. I guarantee he still eats French fries. Um, yeah, they almost tried to kill him twice. Yeah, this this is a fine way to introduce these guys, I guess, as like the foreign hero. I did think it was weird. Did you find it weird? Maybe I'm insane. That it, it's just odd to debut them in like jeans and t-shirts. Yeah, I thought thought it was a little weird. Um, like you know, at least like put them in like I don't know, like some uh, have them bring out like a uh, big piece of bread, like the French bread. <laughs> I don't baguette. know. Yeah, baguette, and then like. Uh, some More other French and like a French, like, I don't know, like they wear like the French hat. I don't know, like a French hat of some sort or like maybe bring out a French horn. I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> just something. Yeah. Just so you know, like, what's up? Like, hold on. I'm looking at the I had the French hat. Um, yes. The, uh, the 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 Margiela, like it looks like a fedora, but it's not really. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, it just you was know indistinct. It was like felt very indistinct to me. Like they uh, were a beret. Like, a beret. like yes, beret. Um, like they looked like AJ Styles and TNA. It just seemed very like nondescript, like dudes to me. Like nothing really to complete. Like not a very, uh, not a look that immediately catches your attention. I would say, like especially when this was to be like over the top, like French heels. So. Maybe nitpicky, but yeah, I just feel like when you're debuting guys, you want to have strong, like get them over, like what's the static and all. It was just like, they're just like in 2000, like early 2000s bro jeans. Yeah, they looked like they were about to go out clubbing with Randy Orton. <laughs> right. So, but uh, a fine, if not spectacular debut, I thought. And it makes sense that this is going to feud with because Scott's got her shit all over France. So, yeah, if you don't like USA, get the hell out. Go to hell or go to France. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, can you go to hell or go to France? <laughs> Morley and Bischoff are backstage to discuss the Dudleys who have been suspended. And uh, Eric says he already has the do not disturb sign at the hotel. So just pushing that along. Not much to see here. And then we see uh, two WCW pals run into each other. Goldberg and Booker T. Uh, Booker T puts over Goldberg. He tells him that... Uh, you know, I went through the same stuff when I was the new kid on the block. But you know what? You got to say, screw these punk bitches and just prove yourself. So Goldberg, uh, you know, he's got to come in here and prove himself. Even though he beat like 180 guys straight or whatever the fuck like, yeah. in WCW and uh, all this. He's got to prove himself. So I don't know. I feel like they're just trying all these different things to try and make this work. And this was it was all right. I mean, but you also got Booker, too, who they've like completely devalued being the guy to come put him over. So that's a lot too. Yeah. I, yeah. They were definitely trying. And I was like, did Booker T and Goldberg ever like see each other? And they were like, they did, but it was like when Goldberg was a heel in WW 2000, like um, also like my random knowledge, Goldberg calls Booker T the title versus Vince Russo because he speared Vince Russo through the cage. And that's how Vince <laughs> Russo won the title, like useless information that I know. But yeah, like, just just dumb. But yeah, uh, like you said, Booker T saying welcome to WWE. It's like we've already knocked Booker T down to like upper mid card at best. Right. So, again, it's just trying to get them like, hey, look, here's Booker T. They're in WCW. They're pals like, you know, they're trying to get over this whole like 
Goldberg earning his stripes thing, which is like, I mean, just beat the rock. It's kind of a big deal, <laughs> but you know. yeah, it's like, he's only like going up back to Hollywood to make movies, but you know, let's try to make it sound like Goldberg's like a real guy. It's like, well, he just beat the shit up. Like he sent rock packing for, I think till WrestleMania 20, if I'm not, not forgetting. Right. We don't need to humanize Goldberg. Like it's not, it's not what people like about Goldberg. Anyway, I can keep beating the dead horse. All right, we now go to uh, Booker T. Fresh off of that, he's going to be facing Christian. Uh, there's an amazing ass clown sign where it's like a clown with an actual ass for a face, which is just like one of the greatest signs I've ever seen. It's just like a clown like with all the clown stuff, like the clown hair and the hat and everything. It's just a big ass crack for a face, which is incredible. I'm a little upset it, that I missed that. Oh, I'll have to go back and, and screen cap, even though you have to – Quick little rant, but you got to take do this stupid shit where you take a picture of the screen with your phone now because the cock will, uh, the old network will let you screenshot anything you want it, but now the the cock pulls that shenanigans where it'll just turn it black if you try and screenshot. So, so. dumb, so dumb. Yeah, kiss my ass, NBC. All right, uh, all right. Christian takes over. Uh, Booker T has the advantage early; it's a sidekick. Christian takes over with some of it, some. Uh, some meh offense of stomps and a chin lock, just some like the lame, like one of my least favorite moves ever, which is like the stupid choke while the guy's laying on the mat. It looks so terrible. Like doesn't look like you're doing anything. Booker T catch a flapjack to make a comeback. Uh, yeah, they kind of just keep going back and forth. Booker goes for the spinner Rooney. I thought for two guys that I know can kind of go, this was a real blah match until we get the lame run in finish from three minute warning here. Uh, We'll, we'll just go with the post-match because, to me, the match itself was just, like, nothing. I ended up going to star on the match. But the post-match, Goldberg comes in to wreck uh, three-minute warning, a.k.a. now the job squad. The crowd, again, the crowd was into him here. So they're effective on that. They're at least pairing with people that are not going to – that surely three-minute warning is not going to be more over than him. So that's good. Um, everybody wants to see him spear people. And – um and I thought this was because this is a spot we see like every other week now, or at least on like every pay-per-view, but he spears Rosie through the barricade and that gets a huge pop from the crowd. And then he ends up leaving through the crowd um, after spearing Rosie through the barricade. And so I thought this was effective, right? He doesn't say anything weird and awkward about destroying asses. He just comes in, makes a save for Booker T because they established that it's his buddy, you know, takes out some Jamokes and, you know, does like a, um, uh, you know, runs to the crowd. Now the, the other side of this is that it is weird because they're putting them with these guys. Cause they know they're not going to be more over than him. But then the other part of this is then he just beat the rock and now he's slumming it, you know, with Rosie with three minute warning in, in Rico. So like, why is he even worried about these guys? He should be on another level as he just, you know, took the rock out last night on pay-per-view. And now he's, has you know he shouldn't even be in the same realm as these guys so that's maybe the other side of it yeah but also like seeing him like what people random wrestlers asses right right sort of helps as well but like you said like the first spear spot like we're used to it now but i don't remember that happening before 2003 i'm sure i'll be fact checked immediately but right right that was pretty cool um but yeah, I went like a, I went a three, not even a star. I know I want to start a half on the match. Like it, this was just a nothing match. Um, I even have like this match has been, uh, but then like, you know, Booker T hit a spine buster, then a spin a Rooney three minute warning. It looks like three minute warning has eight, three minute warning because you can tell like as they're, <laughs> 
push has went, uh, their time at catering has went up. <laughs> we'll attach a graph to the podcast. Yes. The, uh, relationship there. But uh, I agree. Overall, I think it's effective. But I think you could argue that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be. But it's definitely more effective than a mixed reaction when he's paired up with a rock. Like, at least it's kind of rehab me. Like, the first thing you got to do is, like, get the crowd on his side. And this is not a bad way to do it. I mean, you know, so, yeah, I thought it I thought it worked overall. But, yeah, that match kind of sucked. And, again, like, I like Booker T and Christian's. Yeah, even I say that, but this era Christian is kind of he kind of sucky at this point, honestly. Yeah, he needs to um, cut his hair. He looks so much better with cut hair; like he looks disgusting now. Yeah, and he's doing like the lamest like cheese ball heel offense. That's just boring. But anyway, so I would say overall, um, I think that'll be all we see of Goldberg tonight, and I'll I'll call it a net positive compared to what they've been doing with Goldberg since he debuted. Compared to the Raws building up to Backlash. Oh, definitely. All right. And then quickly, we're at our main event, which is going to be, like you said, believe it or not, it's going to be Eric Bischoff versus Trish for the stipulation as if Trish wins a match, she gets a title shot. If Eric Bischoff wins a match, she gets to have uh, sex with Trish, even though she doesn't want to. Uh, All right. I do always pop for a stupid karate outfit. Like it's so he look always looks like a goofball in a stupid little karate gi. He's like Dwight Schrute having karate with all like the, the little kids. Um he he asked her if she really wants to do this because he knows that he definitely does. And then at the last moment he uses his power to make it a no DQ. He mocks her, so she goes for the chick kick. Um, which I got this could have been like a fun spot, but like and I <laughs> I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because I'm thinking she probably knows like Eric Bischoff's not a real wrestler. So she was trying to make sure she didn't kick the piss out of him in the side of the head. She should have. Would have saved us a lot of time. But like I think by trying to protect him, it came and the camera didn't help either because you could just see that like her toe just flicked his ear on the chick kick. So it looked real bad. Like just barely grazed him. Immediately Victoria runs in and then Jazz. They all start beating up Trish. Um you know, I guess they're trying to weave that in. Like, they're just trying to make Eric involved in this. It feels very forced. Um, I do think you miss, like, JR in this to put over. Because the whole idea, as we're going, as we get to the rest of the segment, is they're trying to really get over Eric as, like, this huge piece of shit. And I think because you have Coach, like, he does an okay job. But, like, I felt like JR, I mean, no shock that maybe JR would have done better than, you know, rookie coach here. But, like, to put over how sickening this whole thing is like coach is always just like, well, this is crazy. Like kind of thing where I feel like Jr. would have done a much better job of like telling Eric Bischoff to go to hell. Like he's a, you know, a disgusting, heinous human being, you know, like this, you know, his, that he's going to rot in hell, et cetera. Like Jr. always does. I thought he would have got that over better than coach does. Um, but anyway, Eric finally calls off Victorian jazz and he says, there's some things he can teach her. Um, he continues to talk about pretty much how he's going to have non-consensual sex with an injured woman. He also said he wants to make sure that stay, that Trish stays conscious. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. And, and then he pins her. And so, uh, before this next part, so we think this is maybe how we're going to end our night is that Eric Bischoff has just pinned Trish to, again, like you said, have sex with her semi-conscious body at a hotel room. Very uncomfortable. Um, but guess who's here? 
to the rescue, Chef. None yeah. other than Linda McMahon is here. Uh, we see a limo arrive, and it's last. Her, ju- uh, last just stayed in the limo for her to go out. Right, he's he's keeping the seat warm. He's got the champagne on ice. Um, Eric quickly switches and pretends that he cares about Trisha's well-being. Uh, um, I never get tired of Linda coming out to the WrestleMania 10 song. It just is the most <laughs> absurd thing ever. Like I'm shocked she never came out. <laughs> and then like just wa- walking down, Eric tries to save face. He tells her this is all for shock value and ratings. Um, and but actually, who he's really attracted to is her. She doesn't care and explains why she's here. I mean, anyone knows she's with Lash, so why is Eric even trying that kind of bullshit? Uh, but anyway, um, I also thought this was insane. Like, he does all this where he's pretty much saying that he's going to have, you know, sexually assault this woman on television. And uh, her thing is like, he's obviously not fit to be high, to be a general manager. Uh, the board is very unhappy with his performance. Like, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> like, uh yeah, this is like an understatement. Yeah, under, uh, understatement of the century. It's like, ugh. right. But he's not even going to be fired for this shift. What they're going to do is they need someone here to keep him in check, someone who is very in tune with what the crowd wants. And that is going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. As the glass shatters, he gets a huge pop and um, um, he comes out. Uh, uh, he extends a hand to him, kind of that he's going to let bygones be bygones. Eric hesitates and uh, Austin goes to the whole, his whole what thing where he says, Oh, you don't trust me. You don't believe me. Uh, they draw it out. Finally, Eric shakes his hand. Um, but he, he says that the key word that Linda had said was that he will be the new co-general manager starting tomorrow and then gives him a stunner, meaning that he doesn't have to get along with him yet not until tomorrow. And we kind of end on that with him celebrating. So, yeah, it's kind of shocking that they brought back Austin because he wasn't even mentioned this episode at all. I mean, I guess to just save the pop because Eric had been like, you know, low key burying him even in like the start of Raw. They had a big old X over Austin when he popped up on the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I did love when like the crowd was chanting na 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 hey hey goodbye when Linda uh, was out mm-hmm. like you know and him saying um it it was just like said how he's more mature and has more interest in mature women. It's like, he's so gross, but, uh, you know, Austin coming back, like, you know, if he can't wrestle anymore, we got to use him for something because, you know, like he probably is the biggest baby face on raw right now. Um, even though he can't wrestle. So we need to do something. Yeah. So it, it gets him back on the show. It gives you that star power that you probably need on raw. It is, we'll see how this is going to go because it is a weird spot because you know Austin's not going to be in anything insignificant. So you're wondering, like, how much focus are they going to give Austin even though he can't wrestle? So are you going to end up getting a lot of, you know, things that are going to be built that obviously can't have a match involved with Eric and Austin? But it also has a, you know, it could also be very entertaining because they're both good performers. I mean, this Eric stuff is very cringy, but I mean... Look, I don't want to defend that, but they you could tell their mindset was we want to make them like what's the most heinous heel thing you could do? That way when Austin comes out, it just helps it get over that much more that he's coming out to, you know. You know, we have to really not that Eric wasn't over as a heel much, but like what is the most heat we can get on him with this? So I guess that was their mindset. I guess you could argue there's other ways you could have went about that, but 
this is the route they chose to take. Austin's back. He's going to be co-general manager. So we can expect a lot of non-wrestling segments with Austin. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it should be interesting to say the least. Like, ugh. I mean, I'm excited right. for it because I remember enjoying us. So, mm-hmm. right. Austin's obviously can be a great performer without wrestling. Right. And he's done it many times before. Obviously, he's one of the greatest of all time. But, uh, yeah, that's how we wrap up the show with the big Austin return. Uh, so overall thoughts on this, I thought, you know, I thought for Raw, given like what's the, you know, the batting average for Raw, I thought this is a better than what we typically see. I went five out of ten, like nothing great, but I thought the show had a little more life than we usually get out of Raw. Like I thought the bigger segments hit OK, like the Goldberg stuff. I mean, Austin, to get a big pop when he returned. And, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be able to bring some juice. But it felt a lot more – it felt less meh than most uh, Ross that I've been watching lately. So I ended up going to 5 out of 10, so which is only average. But for Raw, that's actually kind of an upward trend. It's like an A-plus for Raw. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. Um, I'm, I'm a 5 out of 10 as well. Um, I, it was upsetting that we only saw Shawn Michaels as, like, the backstage, like, gopher for Kevin Nash, like, taking the phone call. Like, he's in position. Like, do it now. So I want to see where we go with Shawn Michaels, um, and hopefully in this coming month. So watch he not even be on the show. <laughs> right, we'll see. And it, yeah, and that was I thought the Triple H, uh, Kevin Nash stuff. One, it was good that it wasn't overbearing. Like they didn't do some like fifty minute long like them yakking at each other promo. They at least had some did something that was like action and you know him chasing with the sledgehammer. So I thought that was okay. You know, like most of the big stuff, you still got some you know some of the undercard sloppy get on raw, but I thought it, it didn't drag as much as a, some of these raws do. So I'll give a little bit of cred. All right. All right. Yeah. Are you ready to go to, uh, no, go ahead. You had anything else on raw? No, I just uh, shocked at how, um, how smooth it was. It didn't feel like two hours because I felt, I watched other raws where I felt like it was longer than three hours. Right. All right, so we'll move now to uh, Manchester, New Hampshire for SmackDown. Scott, uh, you ever been to Manchester, New Hampshire? I don't think I've ever been to New Hampshire. I don't think it's a real <laughs> state. Same. Um, and I don't think I knew Manchester, New Hampshire was a place. Uh, anyway, so this will be the uh, May 1st, uh, 2003 episode of SmackDown. We see uh, the first images we see are Big Show trying to murder Ray in that egregious spot that we talked about from Backlash, <laughs> dropping him on his face. Um, they include SmackDown in the opening always does that like slow mo where the voice streams where it's like oh my god like, <laughs> uh, and yeah they show like multiple times in slow mo of his head just bouncing off the ground just brutal I mean it's an awesome spot but it like kills him so right uh, so we obviously know that they're they're trying to push this so we'll see where that goes and uh we head to our first match, which is going to be the Guerreros versus Shannon Moore and Matt Hardy with their latest uh, moron, as Taz says, because he can't be a he's not a MFR yet because he he's not even on the level of Shannon Moore yet. So he's Shannon Moore's mentee, which is Crash. So he's a moron, but he's there for support on the outside. Um, I love the tights here. The lime green tights on the Guerreros were fucking awesome. Yes, they were nice. And, Fantastic. Uh, our Matt, our Matt fact here is actually a question. Have you read Matt's book? So that popped me. That is Matt fact is a question to us. Um, the answer is uh, no, by the way, Matt. 
Taz immediately starts razzing Cole. First Taz line of the night, he tells Cole he has an Enrique Iglesias shirt on, so making fun <laughs> of Cole's little satiny button-down shirt he's got on. Um, the Guerreros go right at Shannon's leg with some crisp offense. Always like the helo. Taz always calls it the helo to the ankle. It's good. Perfectly executed. Crashes outside reading the book, which is another good little touch, like trying to catch up on his studies so he can <laughs> – elevate in the hierarchy of the Mattitude followers. Uh, Shannon manages to uh, to tag Matt, who comes in and lays uh, into Eddie. Tess says uh, Crash uh, tosses salads just randomly. So Yeah, like, God, like I think Taz just says things that um, he said, said Crash tosses salads and loves cucumbers. Like, he tries to say how much, see how much stuff he can get past the sensors, and it's working, obviously. Right, as much innuendo as he can. Um, but the the ref isn't seeing any of the Guerrero's tags here, so playing up that trope, like, the the faces are getting frustrated, so Chavo just runs in and goes into business for himself. Eddie fires up with a beautiful run in the rolling verticals. Uh, awesome stuff. The Mephers come in, hit a nice Simone drop to a neckbreaker double-team move, but Chavo sneaks in with a belt shot, and then Eddie finishes him off with a frog splash, and that's all she wrote, so the Guerrero's end up taking the win. So, that was a pretty enjoyable match. It was Chris, energetic. And uh, the biggest takeaway for me, um, I thought everybody played their roles really well in this, but Eddie just to me had just, he had such a star power. Everything he did looked so good. His charisma was awesome. His fire was awesome. He just looked like a star out of this. He was definitely the standout for me. Went two and a half, good solid opener here. Yeah, I went two and a half as well. It, it reminded me of, because um, also the way it was worked, like uh, Nitro, early on Nitro, when they had their cruiserweights out and they get everything uh, ready to go ready to go and getting the crowd up that's what it felt like with this and i, I thought it was nice even Chavo. i even have a note here chavo actually looking decent so mm-hmm. you know i don't even have that many notes just because i was like enthralled with the match i, I did like that samoan drop neck breaker spot that you that you spoke about um i like how they even cheated to win with chavo hitting matt with the title and you know i, I thought it was nice yeah it's such a cool thing with them like the way they it's a cool dynamic with the lie, cheat, and steal thing because they're so over as faces, but they still cheat, but they do it in a way that's like, I don't know, just makes sense for them. And it's it's very well done. And I think a lot of it's just Eddie's charisma. And I think I think it's like Chavo and Los Guerreros getting the Eddie rub, so it makes them less hateable. <laughs> like, he's getting a little Eddie, uh, Eddie by osmosis by being paired up with him. So it helps Chavo out. Yeah, it really but, does. Uh, like, it, it, does, it takes away from all that. But yeah, you're just watching this and you're ready. Not the Los Guerrero stuff has been great, and I kind of enjoy this feud they have going on. But uh, it's it's making me ready to see it. This will be a fun thing to track as I continue this kind of. If you go by the the war dynamic, like this season, to see this journey from Eddie as we come off of Mania 19 to where, you know, how this year goes as he gets to, you know, into the uh, into the next Mania. And how he elevates, but you could definitely see he's got at him. But um, the rocket uh, buster Cole. <laughs> yes, the rocket buster push. All right, the MFers pounce out of frustration, <laughs> but Shannon, uh, always good for a good bump, gets launched out of the ring, like just gets his ass uh, <laughs> splattered all over the outside. Team Angle come down to get the belts, but they fail as the the Guerreros uh, manage to escape with them again. Because of course the storyline is they didn't win the titles, but they just stole them, and uh. I'm enjoying this. It's like a simple thing, but because both teams can execute their roles well, it kind of works. Like, I think if you had some, like, less, you know, 
if the talent involved were, were not as good, this could come off as kind of stale and a lame little trope. But I think it's basic, but it works because of the guys you have involved with the, the girls like stealing the titles and this whole cat and mouse thing. And also Team Angle's uh, tracksuits here are amazing. Like Always. Just WWE really screwed up by not selling those because I know Logan, that would be his whole wardrobe. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah. But uh, get a little post-match segment. We'll see more from the uh, the Guerreros in Team Angle in just a minute. Yeah, they uh, they do a good job of, like, they're one of the focal points tonight, all four of those wrestlers. Yep. Okay. All right, we had to Steph. Uh, she says she does not know who Mr. America is. We've been seeing these vignettes. But it, uh, the, the way they sell this is that she was so eager to make sure she got Mr. America that she had to sign him sight unseen. So she said to blindly sign the contract, which seems uh, very not Stephanie like to do. Um, she's a very shrewd businesswoman. So, but uh, team angle then interrupt and come to her pleading about this. They need one to get their titles back. She's not very sympathetic because says that, um, you know, they've cheated before. So if they want their titles, don't let them get stolen, but does agree to have that. The girls are going to, have to return the belts tonight, but there will be a rematch at Judgment Day, and those titles will be suspended on a uh, high above, and they will have to use a ladder to get them. So setting up a ladder match immediately, already setting up Judgment Day for this tag team ladder match. I got really excited hearing that this was a ladder match because I have no recollection of this. Me either, and uh, I've enjoyed this. It seems like a good escalation of where this feud is going, Mike. I think the step makes sense. And it also makes sense too with the story because the whole idea is like, well, whoever wins is going to have the titles in their hand when they win. So no one can steal it, I guess is maybe the logic here. Maybe I'm reading, maybe I'm giving too much credit, but <laughs> that's how no, it, it works out. So, uh, I, you're going to, I know everyone's going to laugh at me and I probably shouldn't share this, but I don't care. Uh, were, were you watching during this time? I was, I don't remember. <laughs> I definitely was watching, maybe not religiously, but I was still pretty tuned in at this point. Yeah, so I was going like I was going through a phase where I wouldn't read rumors or anything, just so I could be like not shocked. Mm-hmm. And I remember like hoping, because you know how such a big Sting mark I am. I remember hoping that Mister America was Sting and he's coming <laughs> back with like his, uh, you know, his red, white, and blue face paint and everything. So I remember like really hoping it would be that, and then like getting upset when obviously it wasn't but yeah i just remember like seeing like the highlights and like seeing like stephanie go back and i was like yeah i remember hoping that was sting was was coming in i I was wrong obviously um i kind of like your version better honestly we'll get to it but yeah uh that would have been much more interesting all right we hear that ray has nerve damage and they're going to do some more testing um and now they recap the whole issue with the big show about him being humiliated. And now he's like this angry giant bully guy. Um, Looking like a goof. Always <laughs> in, in this era, right? Not saying I always dislike. At least show, he's not but, wearing like furniture. Yeah. Fur- like, like yeah. He's not wearing a piece of furniture anymore. Yeah. He's not wearing like his corduroy jacket and his black jeans. Yeah. That's a, that's an improvement. Um, Steph, we then cut back to Steph. She comes out of Mr. America's locker room looking very troubled. So something's not right. And then uh, show then tells us uh, he comes out to the ring to cut an Ingram promo before his match and tells us that uh, people tell me to pick on some of my own size, but there no one is my size. <laughs> just, just, I don't know why. It's just, they cracked me up. Just 
what a goofy thing to say. Like, he's such a goober. He's taking it so he's taking it so so literally. He's uh, like, but there's no one my size. So you <laughs> I'm a giant. So who's definitely not as size as Funaki, who's going to be his opponent. So they're well, he said he chose this. him. Mm-hmm. He chose Funaki because Funaki is bigger than Ray. <laughs> right, of course. So um, continuing this whole he's a bully against little guys thing. And that's kind of how the matches worked. It's a big show versus a little guy match. Not too much just to say. Like, I thought he did work on a few more interesting things, just stepping over. Like, he did a press slam here. So he kind of changed up a bit. He does the pull up at two deal, and then uh, I don't think he won't the choke slam. I didn't write it down, but I don't think he won't. It's the a choke close slam. line. Um, yes, he closed line, and that's what it was. So yeah, but it was like a well, sort of like a Russian sickle that he like. That's yeah. what it sort of looks like a short arm close line for the most part. Right, pull the guy towards him. So I don't know if that's something he's going to work in more, but he wins with that. I want to star on it. It was a big show again. Big show versus little guy match, just a squash essentially. Yeah, I went a star and a uh, star and a quarter on this. I did like how like Funaki hit a nice tornado DDT because like he got some offense when Big Show was trying to like come in and do the giant thing where like you step all over the ropes and he grabbed the rope and like gave his nuts rug burn essentially. <laughs> um, but then like you know Funaki like got a little bit of offense, which is I think is the most amount of offense I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was it was squash shitty. It seems weird, and we'll definitely see why they were doing this or how they were heating Big Show up. But uh, we'll get to that shortly. Yes. All right. So we uh, we then see a production assistant checking on Steph, and she tells him that Vince is on the way. So at this point in the show, Scott, this is once you get Vince involved, and she's upset because Vince is going to find out. That if there was any doubt in your mind of who this was going to be, I think this probably removed it. Yep, a hundred percent. She looks all like frazzled and, uh, yeah, bad acting from stuff here. <laughs> all right, Big Show postures to everyone backstage, and then he gets congratulated by his pal Albert on his. Yeah, I love how everyone like hates on him, gives him like shitty looks and everything, and yeah, yeah, and some. Yeah, some big boys just uh, laughing at all these vanilla midgets. Like it's backstage WCW. Right. All right, we then get John Cena coming oh, out. Oh, before you start, inward. Jake, this yeah, is my ahead. favorite segment of the two episodes. Yeah, well, this goes places. So Cena comes in for an entering promo, pretty much a classic, like, I'm a heel and I lost the title match, so I'm going to come out and, like, get my credibility back, say I got screwed, it wasn't fair. And that's exactly what Cena does. He says he got screwed. And now, of course, he's wrapping all this. Uh, uh, he says it's a miscarriage of justice. I didn't catch any, like, he didn't have any super classic lines in this one to me. Uh, or at the, least the, the mm-hmm. two that I liked was, like, he beat mm-hmm. Brock like the Mets beat the Red Sox. Said ref was <laughs> missing calls like Bill Buckner was missing ground balls. Ward life. Yeah, he goes. He goes the cheap heat route on this one, trolling the uh, New England fans. And trolling um, himself, he, sadly, because he's like a red red sox true right um but yeah like i said just an old-fashioned heel running off a loss which is it it was effective right and it uh you know he definitely didn't lose anything for that match i think if he definitely elevated himself the match was whatever but i thought the build i think is kind of legitimized him a bit more and he doesn't look like a goober but you know just come in get himself back over pretend like it never happened but who comes out to mock him is Brian Kendrick, who's wearing like a Flavor Flav clock. 
He says that he's spanky dog. Or, what does he say? Like spanky McMuffin or some shit like that? Like, yeah, it, it's bad. Um, spanky McDonadon or something. I don't know. What the fuck his he theme said. song was 1000% on a PlayStation game. It's like, coming up! <laughs> da, 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 da. Like, it, it, I was like, I, this was like a, like a, one of those snowboarding games that they gave you, like the little right. disc. That this it reminds me of a CJ Parker song in, uh, in NXT. <laughs> Like that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right. So he comes out and he says that he's actually going to freestyle, but he needs a beat. And so randomly he gets the referee, Brian Hebner to give him a beat and no one's expecting anything, but Brian Hebner can be- beatbox. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So he starts beatboxing. Uh, uh, his rap is really, he's just a bunch of, he's terribly off time, which is amazing. Like as zero, uh, <laughs> Zero flow, uh, if you will. Yeah, no, no like he, hustle and no flow from Brian Kendrick. Right there. <laughs> yeah, he's completely off time. Like, uh, he just says that scene is full of crap and all that, just random lines. Uh, then he pretends Cena's head is a turntable. He's like, <laughs> yeah, and then Cena just clotheslines the piss out of him, hits him with the FU. So, uh, yeah, overall, I thought effective. You get Cena to come out kind of right off loss and then uh, just wax a dude to show that he's like, you know, just so he can kind of get a little bit of shine back. And then you get some goofball Brian Kendrick stuff. Uh, Brian Hedmer, MVP of the segment, because he was amazing with the sound effects. He was great. Like, I wonder, this is definitely one of those things where he was just doing that backstage one time and like, you can do that? Like, we're going to do, like, we're going to put you in something. I, I like to imagine that Cena was rapping over the beat that Brian Hebner was doing as he was beatboxing. And that's what right. they did. I wish we could have gotten that too, but instead we got Spanky Dog. <laughs> Who sound like the biggest ick I've ever heard in my life. I didn't realize Brian Kendrick sounded like that. Yeah, I, I didn't have any of his language. You're a piece of crap. That's the main thing I remember from him. But anyway, I enjoyed this whole segment. It was goofy, and again, and it gets a little bit of let Cena, you know, make himself look more threatening again. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, it was, right. it was a fun segment. All right, we go to the FBI who um, are trying to get some some guys trying to look for an autograph for his WWE yearbook, and the FBI wanted to pay for it. Um, and they mentioned that they're ready to take out Chris Benoit, which leads us into our next match, which is going to be uh, Johnny the Bull versus Chris Benoit. Uh, so Benoit has that Benoit intensity, of course, in this. Uh, the Bull tries to overwhelm with his side, and he gets a little help from the boys on the outside with a little interference. Benoit makes his comeback just uh, kind of pushing into him, honestly, is the main way he does this. Um, hits a big German, hits the flying headbutt. Uh, they go to interfere, but Rhino comes in and wrecks them. And then randomly, <laughs> the same Brian Hebner's just on his bullshit tonight. So he's beatboxing. And then because they all start interfering, he just takes it takes it to his own hands to just turn this into a tag match. So now we have a tag match. It's going to be, I think, I believe it was Nunzio stayed on the outside. And we have um, Palumbo and, and the Bull against Rhino and Benoit, who have obviously tagged before. Uh, we start with Chucky in. Rhino just destroying him with shoulder blocks. It's a belly to belly. Chuck comes in, starts working Rhino over with his own shoulder blocks. Uh, and uh, the refs, the refs are just not seeing the face tags tonight because uh, Benoit and Rhino are having the same problem that Eddie and Chavo had earlier. Like the refs just not seeing any of their tags, which allows the uh, the FBI to get a little bit of advantage. 
the bull slows it down with a head with the uh, bear hug. I'm sorry. Basically, we get face and peril Rhino here. The FBI just hit nothing but strikes, nothing too much going on here. Rhino comes back with a spine buster, great hot tag to Benoit. Uh, the ref gets grazed by the gore, which throws off so great. So <laughs> just it's true. Yeah. It was like Trish hit like the chick kick on on Bischoff grazed. Yeah, Graze is generous. Uh, Nunzio pulls Chuck onto Benoit and uh. That kind of leads us into our finish. So kind of a messy finish there for everything that going on. I don't think it was executed well. Like I said, the ref bump didn't look that great. And they just didn't hit all the spots super well in that. I thought it was okay. Like you get, again, just like Eddie earlier, just like Ben Ma was kind of the star of this. He looked like he was kind of operating on another level from everybody in this match. Um, The FBI were, were okay. I mean, the Bull is like an okay power guy, but he doesn't really like knock your socks off. And, you know, you had all this shit with the turn into a tag match. I ended up just going two and a quarter on it. It wasn't offensive, but it wasn't amazing anyway, either way, uh, either. So I thought Benoit was the standout of this. Yeah, so what did you go? I'm sorry. I went two and a quarter. Same. Like, I was making sure I heard this. Um, all right. So I got I just realized I got Johnny the Bull and Vito confused for all these years because my first note was Johnny the Bull has hair. <laughs> um, so you know, the more you know, and I actually well, Italian, so I yeah, them all mixed up. Well, Scott, speaking Italians, I'm pretty sure I learned this next word. I'm going to drop that I had from my notes from Extreme Three Way Dance here on the Noso feed that the FBI was trying the numbers game, but with Benoit, but he outsmarts these Gavones, which I think I hope <laughs> I used it correctly. You guys, let me know if I didn't. I apologize. I did look it up on Urban Dictionary to see what it meant to make sure I didn't say anything bad. Um. I will say, like, Rhino coming in, like, the crowd really loves Rhino. They they could have had, mm-hmm. like, an upper mid-carder with him. Um, but, well, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Nuncio's dead from the gore. I mean, like, he sold it on the floor for a long time. Rhino actually got a great spine buster to Palumbo. And, you know, I thought the FBI, like, like listening to the stream to Ray Dance, like, you know, I know they got the title run, but, like, they're... Really treated as jokes, but like so far in their first couple weeks here, they've taken out Nathan Jones, they've taken out the Undertaker, and they got a big tag win over Benoit and, and Rhino here. So I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I went two and a quarter. Yeah, yeah, they have been lighting the world on fire, but they're pro- they're giving more shine than you would expect when they debuted. They just seemed like another thing that was going to debut, and they would forget in a month. But they've actually you know done at least something of consequence, which is more than I expected when they debuted. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, like it, it feels like the uh, Rodney Mac thugging and bugging on Raw. Like you just think of them as jokes, but they're like they actually gave him a chance there for a little bit. Right, and they're just they're, they're not the worst thing because they're they're obviously looking for something to, for Benoit to do because they don't want him you know facing Brock or be in the main event scene. You don't really have an Intercontinental title, so you got to figure out something for him to do, and they want to spotlight him, obviously. So I guess this is. I mean, it could be worse. Yeah. So, not right, everyone's Steph, to be a main eventer too at the same time. So, correct. All right, Steph tries to get Vince to not come to the show, and then uh, Brock arrives at this point and starts heading to the ring. So, just remind us again, building this throughout, trying to build this whole tension about what's going to happen when Vince gets here with Stephanie and who Mister America is and everything. Uh, but anyway, Brock heads to the ring to cut a promo, and he talks about I had one hell of a fight with with John. Uh, it's like his new Kurt. John! 
John. It's kudos, kudos to Cena. Uh, and again, they've been doing this too much. I don't want this from Brock coming out and giving these like very white meat baby face promos. It feels you can very boot like me uh, if you want. It's like the same thing they're doing with Goldberg. Yeah, like and it's just it felt. I think in a couple episodes ago, I compared it to like ninety five Diesel is what they're That's doing. That's a with very this. good. And they, yeah, and they, you saw what happened with that. So. Right, like he's just, and then he he says, uh, but something disturbed him at the pay per view, and that's Big Show. What he did to Ray was gutless. And uh, what did you do? Did it make you feel better, Show, to pick on somebody who's smaller than you, Show? He said Show like five hundred times. Show, Show, Show. Come bully me, Show. Come bully me, Show. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, did you realize that Ray has a bigger heart? It just feels so forced because we know that Brock taking up for Ray. Like Brock would not do. Yeah. It just feels so unnatural coming from him. Like, Brock does not seem like a guy who's talking about who's got a bigger heart. Like, it's Mighty Ducks or some shit. Like, it's just so unnatural coming from him. I mean, if he said he was going to hit the Flying V on Big Show, it would have been the greatest promo of all time. So, Yeah, so, I don't know. It just seems off character for Brock to come in and try and, like, you know, protect the honor of a smaller guy. I don't know. But um, he then tells Big Show to bring his big slobbery ass out here, (laughs) which... He's like, why don't you bring a big slobber ass out here and bully me, which cracked me up because every time Big Show talks, he spits everywhere. (laughs) That one got me good. Say it, don't uh, spray it, shoo. But yeah, so just Brock standing up for truth and justice is just awkward. Uh, And the American way. Oh, wait, that's Mr. America. Sorry, I got confused. A show comes out and they say that Ray, he says Ray got what he deserved. He said he beat Brock at Survivor Series. He'll beat his ass again, but he wants the title on the line. Brock accepts it, but show doesn't want it tonight. And uh, so obviously they're going to try and set this up for down the road, probably at the pay-per-view. And uh, I cannot say that I'm enthused for this because when they face each other before, Big Show is pretty much just a pawn for Paul Heyman. I mean, I know they're trying to reheat him, but. It's not doing a whole lot for me. It's hard for me to get excited as even if they just want Big Show to be like the challenger of the month, it's hard for me to even get too excited about that. Yeah, I agree. And it's just like, I don't want to go down this hole again. It seems like been there, done that. But it points to like with Angle being out, the lack of heels because you can't do Undertaker again. You've already done that. Uh, It's too early for, for Eddie and he's a face now. You've already done Cena. So really, who else is there? I mean... I guess if you wanted to, you could have like Sean O'Hare be heated up like nuclear style with Piper talking for him. But that would have to be like a five minute squash. Right. You're starting to see, I think, in this post Mania 19, you could see them like the brand split stuff kind of, you know, because like you, you have your blue chipper and Brock. He's got the title now. He's well-established, but, like, now they don't have anybody from the face. And they don't want to do Benoit because presumably you want to save that for maybe down the road. But then there's really, you know, so now you got to rerun Big Show, like, run this back, and it's not. Or Rhino. Like, like, you know, give him, like, a Cena-like thing. Mm-hmm. But you've already done, know. like, the world title tournament. You can't do, like, another tournament. It's like. Yeah, and he's a face, so that's weird because now they're trying to make Brock like Mr. You know, Truth and Justice. Yeah, it, they're in a tough spot. But either way, regardless of why they have to do it, I'm not that into it. So. Yeah, same. All and right. And sorry, one more thing to speak about it. It just yeah, feels ahead. like we're already getting retreads with people he's feuded with. And it's like we shouldn't be doing that when he hasn't even been here. He's just here over a year now. 
Right. And with no storyline, like at least last time you could chalk it up to like, well, it's not about the match. It's like this whole feud between him and Heyman. Now it's just like big shows a bully. I don't like bullies, which is, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a weak premise. All right. All right, so we'll now go to another tag match. It's going to be Team Angle, and they're going to be facing John Walters and Eric Stevens. So um, some uh, some local competitors here that would be obviously uh, on the ROH scene. Uh, they come out with a Kurt portrait, which I always like with the gold medals. Very fast-paced with this one. Um, but it's, this whole thing is a TA showcase, Team Angle showcase. Uh, I thought... Uh, Walters, I kind of a Chris Benoit look going here with the tights, everything. Just his overall look was very Benoit. I thought he looked like a, a Haas brother. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, like that's the vibe I was getting. But yeah, it's pretty much just. Uh, I mean, Walters and Stevens get a few moves in here, but this is all about team angle, and they looked really good in here. They look crisp and tagging and hitting all their spots, and then the double team uh, finish was excellent with the. Uh, they uh, hit the super kick and then uh, bridge into the pin. So uh, ended up going two stars on it. Not quite a squash, but it it played its role because I thought they looked. I thought Team Angle looked excellent, and the two guys, you know, played their roles well. Took the bumps and did the job. Yeah, I, I went a star and a half. It was just like it was a nice thing to like because the you know Team Angle looked like goofs and they will in a minute. But it was nice to show like, hey, these guys may be goofs like Kurt Angle, but they can wrestle their ass off as well. So that was a nice, nice little reminder. Yep, and now we get to probably what was the true purpose of this as we get uh, they come out and they say now they've won the match, they want their titles back. Um, I th- they're both them, but it, particularly Charlie Haas is uh, such a good, like, jock dork. Like, uh, <laughs> Stephanie told us you're going to give the titles back, and now you're going to come and do just that. Like, they're such dweebs. Like, I love it. Real, uh, like, my father will sue you energy from Charlie Haas. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, but the girls say what they did was wrong, and they're so sorry. And they promise to never steal again. And so they lay the belts down in front of them. Um, and Team Angle are very thrilled to have their belts back. They feel like they've won this. Um, and again, I enjoy this storyline. Like, it's elevated by the guys involved. Like, you have the jock athlete, like you said. That's the perfect way of putting it. Like, my dad will sue you, energy. And they kind of have the, uh, you know, lie, cheat, and steal kind of scrappy baby faces in, in Eddie and in Chavo. And, uh, you know, it's a good contrast. Again, I don't think this storyline could work with everyone because it is very basic, but it works with these guys. Um, they celebrate with the angle music, but as they go up the ramp, um, TA, the, the, I keep putting TA cause that's what I put in my notes, <laughs> not Magnum TA team angle <laughs> Magnum TA tells them that they'll never wear the, they'll never wear uh, gold again. Hey, uh, maybe, <laughs> but team angle says that, but the Guerreros show that they will wear gold because during all that, they stole the gold medals from the Kurt portrait. And uh, I love the reactions of uh, everyone involved here. Like Haas and Benjamin are so mortified because they know their boss is going to have their ass over this. Eddie is just so he's so good at this. Like he's the coolest, like mocking them with the medals, walking, strutting back up the stage and walking back back to the uh, locker room with it. He's just so good in this. Uh, Yeah, he just comes off as like the coolest dude in the room. But yeah, all this is very well done. They execute it well. Like, um, their reactions uh, mocking them because they stole it. Haas and Benjamin panicking because they realized. Oh, they shit. Just got, moment. Yeah, they got dicked over again. So all this very well executed for what is a very basic premise for a storyline. 
Yeah, I, I loved when Chavo said that him and Eddie are gold medals, and like they pull out the gold from like their where they put it down their pants and just put it, <laughs> put it on their head, and like the look on everyone's face. It was it was just an amazing segment, and like he said, it's a very simple story, but it's working because all four are playing their roles to perfection. Yep, good stuff. All right, we get the uh, uh, we get relu- <laughs> we get the reluctant partners. Uh, Tori and Sable tonight as uh, Stephanie has put them together despite all the drama that went down in Backlash, which Tori is very upset about. She's not happy with Sable's antics with Test and, and Stacy, but uh, Sable says that if Tori wants to get on her good side, then she needs to play because when Sable doesn't get what she wants, she shows that she'll um, she shows what she can do and that tonight they play for the same team. So definitely trying to allude to some, um, I don't know, uh, sexual tension. Some HLA. Yeah, some HLA that the table's going for. But is it all just a mind game, Chef? Is it a mind game? Like this was some Skinamax type acting here, Jake. Like like Tori was looking amazing. Like not not gonna fight against that. But uh Sable says that they can be great partners and Tori can play with her. Uh, it's just like what are, like this is like, you know this is some stuff I'd stay up till eleven thirty this time, you know. To watch on yeah. mute. That's all I'm saying. I do feel but, Sable yeah, at least just, she has a she has a good like camp execution. Like she does it well. Oh yes. Yes. But it's it's just so bad. It's like get Tori away from these weird lesbian esque storylines. She had it with Dawn Marie when they killed her dad and now it's this. It's one of those things where I feel like the idea is like, okay, that could be interesting, but I feel like they don't really know where they want it to go yet. So they're like, uh, let's just keep kicking this can down the road like i don't know if they know what the end game is like oh, writing this. they definitely do not <laughs> right but anyway they're going to be facing off against dawn and nydia uh nydia actually it's a nice little she's in a little uh dean malenko pressure with a snap suplex uh tori of course comes in and hits her her move which is the neck breaker so she comes in and does that um but it ends up it's basically tori trying to fight off both of them because Sable was no interest in uh and tag again because she's just gonna let uh, gonna let Tor get beat up as this is going on. Task contemplates if you can low blow a woman, given what they have going on down there. Um, but it's not <sighs> the same as a man, so that's what Taz is on. Uh, Sable making the effort to tag. Uh, it was a little awkward because like so they do the thing like Tori's trying to get to the corner and like Sable's still on the apron. She's not reaching for the tag. But then it becomes like Tori's just crawling in place. Like she could just go tag her, just jump up and tag her. She has to get in. Like you just could do like the the unwanted tag. But it, so it's like she's like crawling on a treadmill or something because she just like is reaching out for her but not moving. I know it's kind of awkward. But eventually Sable does the old classic Sid move and walks out. And then Tori ends up <laughs> capping to Dawn Marie's half crab. So again, there's Dean Malenko tribute from uh, Dawn and Nidia tonight as Dawn taps her with the half crab. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It would exactly like you'd expect with the storyline. No real surprises here. Definitely not a wrestling clinic. Uh, but uh, and they're just trying to build intrigue to like, what is Sable's motivation? Why is she doing this, Shiflet? Why? Why? So I don't know. I want to start on it. Want to start? Uh, my only notes. It, it, bear with me, listener. It's only five notes. Uh, this match is happening. WWE women have come a long way. This match sucks. 
Tori goes for a tag. Let's say we won't tag. Tori taps out. Quarter of a star. It's pretty much up. It was trying so to build the intrigue. Build yeah, the intrigue. Jake, Jake did a great job. He made it sound better than it was. And I was like, maybe I'm rating this wrong. And I was looking at it. I was like, no, this match still kind of sucks. Come on. Nidia did a snap suplex. Come on. Tori did her deck breaker. She tried to she tried to do the wind up for the tornadic DDT, but it didn't happen. They would have killed someone if she would have hit that. So thank thank God it didn't. But right, so. but her crawling towards and Sable like I'm just gonna leave now made me laugh because like Sable wasn't even that great of a wrestler. Yeah. Gotta get that Sable hot tag. All right. All right, so we head backstage, and Steph seems to be relieved. She's leaving Vince a voicemail, and she believes he isn't coming. But, of course, as she's doing that, he pulls up behind her and gets out of his limo and says he's very excited to meet Mr. America. So we head to main event 2003 Piper's Pit, Scott. Oh. Um, right. Before this gets kicked off, like, uh, like I, I know I'm getting ahead of you, but when Piper comes down with Sean O'Hare, like, he fires some shots back at Jericho. He said when he gets some talent, call him. Um, so it seems like, oh, these guys were firing shots. I, I, I like that thing where they were firing shots at each other across brands because that's all they could do because they're not going to, sh- they were pretty stringent with the ba- brand split at the time. If that Piper joke was a shot, it was like a fucking uh, pellet gun because <laughs> that was the lamest joke ever. Oh, I know, but <laughs> you want to call me fat? Why don't you call me? You get some talent. It's like, wow, <laughs> it's sick burn, man. Yeah. Good job, old man. Uh, man, Piper when he's when he's off, man, he's so terrible. <laughs> he sucks. Yeah, when, he, when, he's, when he's on, he's like hitting the dartboard like uh, but, in the middle every time. When he's off, it's like you're stabbing your friend in the eye who's standing right beside you when you throw <laughs> it. Anyway, yeah, he puts over Sean O'Hara because obligatory because Sean O'Hara's standing there, and then he introduces guests, which is Mister America, who comes out to Real American, very obviously Hulk Hogan. Uh, the commentary. So this is. You know, this old wrestling trope, Midnight Rider, whatever. But the commentary is, like, way overselling how funny this is. It's like, look at it. Oh, it's Mr. America. <laughs> wink, wink, Hogan. But they're, like, like Cole doing his grading, like, fake laugh is terrible. Uh, of course, Piper calls it out that this is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. America denies this and threatens to kick their ass. Um, he's for freedom, justice, and liberty. Finally, Vince comes out. He's pissed because he knows it's Hogan. How dare you? Um, <laughs> he restates how he sent Hogan home and then he was going to pay him, but he's not allowed to come back. Uh, see, in the archives, the episode where he says that Hogan's going to die a slow death of leprosy. <laughs> uh, um, and he says, you're going back home with his own institution, and that's going to be a lawsuit. And so he fires him. Mr. America reveals that Stephanie gave him an ironclad contract that he cannot be fired or whatever from, which again, seems very out of character for Stephanie makes her look very stupid for doing this for someone. She doesn't know who it is. Vince vows to rip the mask off. Hogan cleans house on everyone. And then the confetti drops and he, you know, walks out to his uh, American music. So that is your main event. uh, Piper's pit segment here, Scott, I will let you speak first on this. What did you think of, uh, This debut of uh, Mr. America. Uh, like, I know it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that's Hogan. But like, I will say Piper did get a couple good lines here. He said everyone out of the pool, which I'm not sure what that means. Um, but then he said, <laughs> this isn't the country of stupidity. I put in parentheses, boy, was he wrong. Um, <laughs> and like, 
uh, like here was their back and forth. Like this was just like you had writers writing this. Piper's like you're like, Mr. America's Hulk Hogan, and Mr. America says that's a lie, and he said Mr. America said he was going to kick Piper's ass from sea to shining sea. <laughs> like like. It, it, uh, it, uh, and then Vince is like bulging at the neck and like and then like he said like he can't like that Mr. America says like he didn't sign with Vince but he signed with Stephanie but Vince is over over top of Stephanie so it's like that should supersede it so like they're when they get like you, I know we have to suspend it for wrestling but it's like you've already said that Vince can fire Stephanie and everything <laughs> And he can't be fired or fired or suspended and like God bless America. It's just like they're really I know this was the time when everyone was like super patriotic because we had it, I think we had had we started the war in Afghanistan and Iraq or Yep. Yeah, definitely okay. yeah, we had yeah, Iraq so like point. you know, like we were like the whole patriotism rah rah thing. So it's like seems like we're getting into that. Um I will say I'm not into action figures, but there is a cool Mr. America action figure, but I refuse to get it because, you know, Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan. So, um, it, it's just like we're signing back. We thought we were getting away from Vincent Hogan, but now we're dealing with Hulk America. That's what I call him. Like, it's just easier for the notes because I kept tightening Mr. America and I was like, I'm just going to do Hulk America. But, like, we already get Sean O'Hare getting punked out. Like, he can't even take down 55 year old decrepit hogan right here and like vince gets like pushed on his ass and like uh it's like we're continuing this blood feud that we thought was over at at mania and it's gonna run at least a couple more months right because it's like that's the thing like you had the bluff at mania it was a good bill it did what it needed to do and the thing about this like this is your main event segment like this is definitely not like a one-off. This is going to continue. It's going to get a bunch of time and it does not need to all the stupid, like it's so sweaty with all this, like they have to keep covering themselves. So it doesn't seem logical. Like, well, Stephanie signed them, but she had to sign them. So I didn't see that to give them a contract where he can't be fired. Like there's so many like things they have to like qualify to make this make any sense. And it's just, like you said, it's just not going to be as good as the feud they did before they wrapped it up. Let's move on. We don't need, Vince and Hogan anymore. Vince talking about lawsuits. None of this is interesting. Just this was like a complete whiff for me. Like I, I don't know. And it it feels like something more we see on Raw than SmackDown because since the brand split, SmackDown's been more for the wrestling and Raw's been more for like you know the storylines that you know are like not Kitty's not the right word, but more like sitcom oriented is the best way to describe it. And now you're seeing it with SmackDown. I mean, it was okay on the way to mania because like, you know, it's mania quote unquote, the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. But now seeing it now, it's like, we're taking away from the wrestlers now. And I know like SmackDown was, didn't have that big crop of stars, but it's like, really that that's what we're doing. Like, yeah. It, it's and, it's, rough. and it's also like the thing about it too, is that the Mr. America thing is not like novel or funny or over the top enough to, I mean, you know, like, if you're going to do this, it has to be like, wow, that's funny. Like, it's so, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I didn't find it really that amusing or, like, interesting. It was like, okay, it's Mr. America. Like, I get it. The joke is that it's obvious, but there was nothing more to it. I don't, I don't know. And they just, they squeezed the juice from this orange, Scott, in the yeah, main build. And it was very good. It was awesome, but it's done. We had some nice orange juice, and now, you know, we can't even make a mimosa out of this orange. Yeah, it's too much forced, so... So, yeah, so we end the show on kind of a down note, but uh, that's SmackDown in a 
kind of my takeaway is that SmackDown is on a bit of a downswing. Like, I think going back through it, I'm probably going to up our rating just a bit because I did like the tag stuff that they had going on a little bit more and everything. But a lot of the bigger stuff, like I'm not into the world title feud, definitely not into this Mr. America thing if that's going to be a big angle. And so, I mean, the, the undercard stuff is okay. I, I like the the tag title feud they have going on, but the the whole show is built around Mr. America, which was a, a dud for me. So I'm going to go four and a half, which I think is probably generous on this show. Yeah, like I said earlier, this was carried by like the the Guerrero tag stuff, and you know, and as good as that was, it can't negate like the nonsense stuff we're doing with Brock, where he's we're running back Brock and Big Show, which it seems like they had to fill time because how many times did we see Brock destroying uh, Ray, and then we have the Mister America stuff, which is going to eat up a chunk of time because I do remember this, and it's just going to get more nonsensical. I hope what we see, I'm on this month for probably the. Let's just say when this happened, my mom walked into the room and I was like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> yeah, Which if it gets we'll get more absurd, that would be more to get more absurd would be an improvement because this was just kind of boring. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. We're out of the Smackdown six. We're Smackdown's a little it's like Smackdown three. It's, it's struggling a bit, but. All right, so that wraps up the week. Let's get to some awards. Best match, I'm going to go actually with that uh, Flair and Triple H versus RVD and Kane tag from Raw. Yeah, that was my highest rated uh, match, best R rating, and, and the most enjoyable. Yep. Uh, best moment, I guess it's got to be Stone Cold returning. I'm going to go with that or the Brian Hebner beatboxing. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Best show, Raw taking it. A rare win for Raw. Rare, rare. Easy for me to say. Raw, rare for Raw. <laughs> I can't say it. Rare, rare, anyway. Raw. Yeah. Raw wins. Your your mouth isn't used to you saying it for this for the show, so that's why right, it right. threw you off. Yep. Uh, you agree? I don't know if you said. Yeah, that I good. do agree. Yeah, sorry, I was running gotcha. my mouth, but yes, I agree. <laughs> You're good. LVP. Uh, I think I could go Eric on this one. Eric, a hundred percent. Even yeah. my, our, our our usual whipping boy, Abubba, his fat ass has been suspended definitely, <laughs> so that's like a win. But it's Eric for, you know, keep her con. I want her to be conscious, like, saying that. It's like, oh, what are we doing? Um, MVP, I'm going to go with Eddie. He just looked like a star on this in, in his segments. I mean, he wasn't in the biggest positions, but to me, he did the most of what he was given. He just stood out in everything he was doing. I will have to agree with that, but I will say uh, Christian did a pretty good job with Goldberg, making him look like a uh, threat again. So Christian may not be there because he also ran away when, um, and he actually knocked Goldberg out of the ring and got away and didn't get speared. So they're they're building that moment up. So I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give Eddie number one, but Christian's right there at a two, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, standout performances here. I'll give a Brian Hebner. He'll be yes, in my sir. top five for his beatboxing. Only time he's going to be in it. And uh, making a tag match right after. The man can do it all. Yep. I'm going to do, you know what? Give Teddy a shout. I thought Teddy's good building up his stable. Um, let's see. Who else? I'm trying to remember. I think we had some. The FBI randomly. They beat Benoit <laughs> Rhino. Hey, there you go. FBI. Um Rick Flair for that performance in the tag match. He kind of turned the clock back a bit in that one. 
Hurricane's always good. I'll give Goldberg too. He uh, yeah, he kind of. This is a pretty good performance from him. So there, there's some goings on we'll, here. Uh, we'll have to see if the booze continue this month because, like he, like I said, he got some at the very start, but I don't think there were many. Boo- yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think there were many booze when he came out the second time. Yeah, this especially considering this is like he was in Boston too. So you know that can be a. You know, that's like a Northeast crowd. So if anybody's going to boom, it'd probably be them. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a sign of improvement for him. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Um, that's about it. It's some good performances, but nothing like spectacular, I thought. So anybody else you want to give a shout to? Stood out to you? No, because Kevin Nash just remembered <laughs> around like he was like Jason Voorhees on Friday the Thirteenth, or so. Yeah, Scott's gonna give all the everybody who made fun of Boston throughout the show. So that's top five. There is that, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps us up for the week. Um, this was a, an interesting start. We'll see. We'll see where it goes, Scott. But you'll be joining me this whole month as we go to Judgment Day. Um, what do you have going on podcast-wise? Yeah, I can be found uh, here on the NoSo feed for Seven Months of Danger. We are sadly wrapping up that podcast as Dangerous Lines can be no more. Um, stay tuned for uh, our like our star of the final four has dropped. Uh, sadly, you know we got. Um, and then we have another episode dropping in two weeks. But, yeah, we're coming to the end of that. That's been a lot of fun. That's with uh, Jake Shows Up. He's our special guest star on Clashes and Pay-Per-Views. I'm joined by Logan Crossland, Sean Kidd, and Matt Souza. We have a good time with that. We also do, uh, on the PTBN Wrestling feed, we do YouTube Roulette with uh, Jacob, um, Souza, and Logan. You know, And, uh, actually, Sean showed up for our, the latest episode. I'm not <laughs> sure when that's going to drop. I may have broken Sean's brain at the end of that match, uh, at the uh, for our last match, um, but it was a fun match with a Dan, Hal- Dan Halson pick match by Jake. That's basically Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm on the pop feed with the uh, comic books, Traders of the Lost Ark, and that's a lot of fun. That's myself, Tim Souza, Andy Atherton, and uh, Sean Kidd. We go over different comic book arcs. Uh, we do one per episode. The next episode, we haven't recorded yet, but it's the Longbow Hunters from um, from Green from Green Arrow. So that should be coming out hopefully in the month of June. If not, it will be July. Uh, and I also host my own podcast uh, called – oh, goodness, I'm going to mess this up, Jay. Um, <laughs> I was doing so well. Uh, play, play While You Listen? Yeah. Play While You Listen. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I trust – guys, I screwed this up because, like, I – have yes play while you listen um it's a video game podcast i usually have a member of the pt uh, ptb and Oso feed or you know one of my close personal friends because it's about video games and we go over the biggest news in video games of the month uh for the month of may if you want to go back and listen i had uh, jake on we actually went over resident evil his love for final fantasy and the month's releases for may which was the big one was zelda for the next one i'll have actually uh one of my best friends on uh mike roach and he'll be going over giving me his Zelda review. We'll talk about the big news uh, from video games. New Mortal Kombat, they're rebooting the whole franchise, will be coming out in September. And the game's coming out in June, which includes the new Diablo game, which is like, you know, as Jake can attest, the summer months, spring summer months, used to be a dead zone for video games. But now it, they, they seem to be, you know, dropping them all all 12 months, like big, big game releases. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And thanks for having me on, Jake. 
Always. Yeah, this is going to be a big year for uh, games. If everything comes out as planned. Well, and, uh, I look forward to uh, seven months of danger coming on so I can defend the honor of war games from uh, heathens who might want to, you know. You mean half besmirch. the pot besides me and you? Yes. Smirch, it's a good name. I'll come. Um, I will uh, I'll fight like I'm in the war games. But anyway, yeah, good to have you, Scott. You'll continue to join me. We're going to keep rolling to Judgment Day on this little trek. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun. So. Hope everyone, uh, thanks for listening. Catch me again in two weeks where we'll cover the next week of TV and uh, keep rolling the Ruthless Aggression Era. We'll see you then. Life that you had just died. I'm gonna be the one that's taking over. Now this is what it's like when worlds collide. Are you ready to-